Welcome to the Alaska Energy Dudes and Divas podcast, where Alaskans, lawmakers, and the media tune in to keep up with energy issues and legislation. Tune in to learn about Alaska's oil and gas and mining industries. Hear from oil, gas, mining, and energy experts, government officials, and lawmakers on developing Alaska's natural resources and energizing Alaska. Here's your host, Deborah Brolini. Thank you for tuning in to the Alaska Energy Dudes and Divas podcast. This week's guest is former Lieutenant Governor Mead Treadwell. Mead came to Alaska where he interned for Governor Wally Hickel and then went on to serve in the Hickel administration. Mead was elected in 2010 to serve as Lieutenant Governor of the great state of Alaska, where he worked to change policies that helped move Alaska forward. So without further ado. Hey there, Deborah Berlini here, coming to you from Anchorage, Alaska, where you can't make this stuff up. I'm here with former Lieutenant Governor, Arctic Champion, and all-around great Alaskan, Mead the Treadwell. Hey there, Mead. Hey, Deb. How are you? Good. Had a question for you. Why are you running for governor? I'm running for governor because I want to recognize the vision of our founders. They actually thought we could have a state that could take care of itself. Uh, they could... Uh, Build an economy without taxes. Congress said, "You got to give you. We're going to give you this land because you can't run Alaska on taxes alone. You can't possibly tax people enough." And we are in a situation where we had a governor's proposed, I don't know, eight, ten, twelve new taxes, including a carbon tax, though he he denies it. But uh, uh, we have to get what? Alaska going again. Carbon tax. Are oh, you going to hear that? No. Read, read the uh, read the climate action report. It says Alaska should be on the road to carbon taxes. The lieutenant governor was all over the East Coast hawking it. The New York Times wrote it up. The governor says he doesn't support it, but you know I I made it very clear in a recent debate in a state that's known for cold, dark, and distance. We don't need to raise the cost of energy for Alaskans. I didn't know that. So I I, I decided to run very simply this: uh, the Republicans have got a very good chance of winning this election. The Republicans in the race were, were not catching fire in, in Scott Hawkins' case. I like Scott. I like his policies. And in Mike Dunleavy's case, I, I just don't see the experience level necessary to be governor for the kinds of things a governor has to do. And so I, I was called by a lot of people, legislators who served with Mike Dunleavy, business leaders who didn't know him and didn't have the level of trust. People in the Native community who said, to, you know, is there the understanding of what we've been working on in the Arctic? State troopers. All these people called and encouraged me to go. And uh, I, I was in a business that was doing well, but I decided to resign from the business to, to uh, offer myself uh, uh, to Alaskans. And if, if we can make it work, great. I think we got to put this economy back on track. Speaking of economy, where were you in 1986 when our economy crashed? 1986, I was here in Anchorage. I was trying to buy a house was working with uh, Wally Hickel and Bill Egan, the former governor of Alaska had founded Yukon Pacific Corporation. I was vice president and treasurer. Uh, Robert O. Anderson, who had been head of ARCO when he discovered Prudhoe Bay, uh, was, was on our board. And I was working with the Reagan White House to get permission to export our oil and gas. I, was, I had a huge amount of access in that White House, and I didn't exactly understand why for our gas pipeline project in Alaska. And it turned out that secretly, Ronald Reagan was trying to end the Cold War, and he had convinced the Saudis to lift more oil up, which had put, crashed oil prices. And he was convincing the Japanese and the, uh, to, to delay the Sakhalin project, and he was 
working to make sure that uh, Alaska gas was there as an alternative because he was pressing them not to buy Russian gas. And so we were part of every Reagan-Nakasone uh, visit. Uh, we, we worked very closely with, with the White House. But I remember here at home, and I, would, I, mean, I was living here, uh, condo prices were crashing, house prices were ca crashing. I was on a plane from Prudhoe Bay one day where everybody had been laid off. They, I think the airlines served extra drinks, but uh, there were not a, not a lot of happy people on that airplane. We had just finished building out close to a $40 billion physical plant at Prudhoe Bay when you include the price of the pipeline. And all of a sudden, the question was whether or not we could lift oil at, at prices well enough to keep the pipeline flowing. It was a really tough time. Speaking of my pipeline, what is your plan to increase oil production through the Trans-Alaska Pipeline? Because I believe that that is being really neglected. Deb, you and I served together in the Hickel administration. We didn't know each other very well. That was in the early 90s. But I did run for lieutenant governor in 2010. And I was out ahead of the people running for governor at the time, which included Bill Walker and Sean Parnell, and saying that we had to change our oil tax program to bring more investors to the North Slope. Uh, the ACES program, as it was called, uh, was confiscatory at high oil prices, and we weren't getting new investment. I also said we were doing not the right thing as Alaskans by trying to push a gas pipeline down across Canada. The problem with it was that the cost of bringing the gas to Canada was more than the gas was worth in Canada, which it had a lot of its own, if, if you might know that. And uh, uh, the lower 48 was not looking for Alaska gas. And the fracking revolution came along and, you know, kind of changed, changed the deal. So I wanted to get us back into the Asian market. And in fact, the Asian market, uh, after the Fukushima disaster, grew dramatically. Uh, in, in Japan and so forth. So that had been my reason for running for lieutenant governor in 2010, and we got those oil prices, uh, oil taxes fixed, and we got uh, we got back into the Asian market for LNG. Then along came Bill Walker, along came low oil prices, along came a big game of chicken of whether or not we would pay the oil tax incentives. And guess what? The incentives we put in actually attracted a lot of new producers. They actually went and found things. We found new fields. So we had independent producers. We had competition on the North Slope. We had announcements like we had from Kalis that at Smith Bay there might be a field as big as Kapark. Uh, we had other uh, other folks there, and I met a lot of them over the last uh, four years because they came to our office looking for capital. Why? Because the state hadn't paid its bills and their original capital sources had pulled the plug. And that is a huge problem. We had this fight over how to balance our budget, and we didn't pay the oil tax incentives. We had gone to them with a financing plan to the state and said, you know, why don't you do something like a royalty trust or the bonding bill that ultimately passed. But we've lost four drilling seasons on proving up what we got discovered because of that oil tax bill that was passed when Sean was serving as governor and I was lieutenant governor. So here's my plan. Number one, keep our promises. The world doesn't like Alaska not keeping its promises. Investors go other places. There's limited money in the world and a lot of places to put it. And if we don't keep our promises, why come here? And if we don't control our spending, that's a big part of that. Absolutely. Money to a fiscal here. plan is, 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 is very necessary. So actually having a fiscal plan and controlled spending is, is important in attracting investors. But you know, what I'll just say is the solution to our spending problems is not only strict discipline, it's also growth of the economy. There's no question of that in my mind. But let's just get back to the pipeline. Number one, keep our promises. 
let's drill out those fields that have had these discoveries and induce the investors back. The second thing is uh, a lot of those discoveries are further west in uh, National Petroleum Reserve, Alaska. We have to look at access. We have to have an access plan. The Obama administration was death to us on an access plan that worked for our needs. Let's work very closely and quickly with the Trump administration on that. Third, we have a unique wild card in Anwar. Um, on the nationally owned lands, the federally owned lands, they are going to try to do a lease sale when they can. They're going to try to get exploration going on. But we have native landowners there. Uh, uh, Kaktovic, uh, uh, the Kaktova Village Corporation, Arctic Slope Regional Corporation. And let's do everything we can to help them, maybe, maybe even you know, agree to help uh, backstop them on, on lawsuits that might come up against them to, to get that going. You mean the partners? <laughs> kind of. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, I mean, the word partner, I mean, you know, the fact is, is that we benefit from that production. You know, we tax that production. It's, it, it's, it's, it's very, a win -win. very important. Yeah, it's a win-win. All right. A fourth thing that, I, uh, that uh, I think is very important is recognize that the sun is shining now with Donald Trump in Washington, but he uh, won't be there uh, forever. We could get another Obama administration of some kind or another. And they were death by a thousand cuts. Mark Begich actually helped them. And we have to see what we can to bring power and decision-making home. Power and decision-making on federal plans. You know, we should offer to manage uh, those two oil fields simply because the federal government doesn't know as much about the North Slope of Alaska as our own Department of Natural Resources. And we can, we can expedite things, we can protect the federal interests. The federal government charges two points out of our royalty share to manage that land. I think we can do it for far less. So that's my plan. We'll be working hard to make sure the global investors, Alaskans who can take their money elsewhere, understand this is a good place to invest. We're going to work to balance the budget. Uh, I'm going to work to restore trust that Alaskans have lost in their government and so have outside investors. Yeah, because our futures are linked with the oil industry. You know, investment means jobs. An economy that's growing with investment is growing jobs. An economy that is not attracting investment is not. Pure and simple. And so we're going to take a little break. The housing market in Alaska can change so quickly, it can be difficult to know when to act. That's why my good friend Margaret Nelson over at Denali Real Estate is who you need to call at 632-4594. Whether you are buying or selling, Margaret has the knowledge you need to make the right decision. Of course, she has 30 years' experience in the market, but what's great about Margaret is whether you are a first-time homebuyer or flipping houses like Chip and Joanna Gaines, Margaret has the insight you want. Her specialties include residential, commercial, and business sales and acquisitions. Call Margaret for action, communication, and results. She's highly recommended in Anchorage. For peak service, give Margaret Nelson at Denali Real Estate a call at 632-4594. Call her today. And we're back. I'm sitting here with Meet the Treadwell, and he's sharing with us his vision for Alaska. What does your leadership look like in working with the legislature, whatever the outcome, and playing well with others? Well, first off, a governor can set an agenda. I'm very disturbed that our governor didn't set the agenda with the legislature that resulted in action in the four years that he's been there on solving this problem of putting more oil in the pipeline, as an example. Uh, we have other very large problems. We've got families who are in trouble. 
And let me just say that I was the guy in high school who had, you know, I don't know if I was a jock or I wasn't a great swimmer, but I was on the swim team. I was a skier, but uh, uh, I had friends who were jocks, friends who were geeks, friends who were nerds, friends who were artists, uh, friends who called themselves freaks at the time. But the fact is, I get along with people. I get along with people because we're all living this adventure called life. Uh, and, and, and trying to make things go. And I learned working with the legislature when I've been in other positions that somebody who is your adversary in the morning and you might be arguing like crazy with them is your ally in the afternoon on a totally different different bill. So keep your lines of communication open. Bill Walker got off to a very bad footing with the legislature. You know, one of the things I did as lieutenant governor is sometimes when people weren't uh, you know, weren't communicating very well, I'd invite people up to my office and say, let's see if we can settle this out. Time and again, uh, you know, I quietly, I wasn't trying to get credit for this, but time and again, the governor or the chief of staff would say, could you talk to those folks because you've got a good relationship with them? And I did that with both the legislature and Congress. So on Parnell, can you go talk to Deborah? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All, all I can say is that, uh, you know, I, I liked working with John Par Parnell. He, he was a good guy, but... And, and, and a good governor, uh, but the point of it is developing that relationships. That's is, it's very important to develop relationships, and I've I've been mentored by some of the legislators who are there, and I've helped mentor some of the ones who are there. And I want to see people work together. We do have one compelling thing in common: we need to see the economy grow. Some people may want it to happen with oil and gas. Some people may want to have it by taking in each other's laundry. I don't know. Some people may want us to see us to be a tech state. We but could be a tech state. We are a tech state. I, I, I've been a tech entrepreneur. But I guess my point is this, is that we it's not necessarily a diverse economy problem. It's a diverse source of government revenue problem. We were given two permanent funds. One is, the, one is the one that Jay Hammond set up that we passed in the constitutional amendment so we wouldn't spend all our oil money, that we'd have it for a rainy day. We protected it with dividends and we protected it pretty well because the public has not wanted to invade the corpus ever, which is incredibly important. The other is this 103 million acres we got with statehood and the right to revenues on federal land. And they didn't give us all the land like they gave many of the other states because they didn't think we could run it. Well, I think we can run it better than they can just watching the erratic nature of the way uh, decisions are made in Washington. And I would work to bring decision-making home, as I mentioned before. So anyway, it's getting back to with, with the legislature. Develop relationships, find a common agenda, and move out. Alaska needs an adult in the room and spending is out of control. What steps will you take to cut spending and prioritize? I believe government's first role on the governing side is to protect your rights, not to take them away. On the spending side, we're not doing ourselves or our children any favors by overspending. We've got to sort out state expenditures between what's must to have and what's nice to have. And let's take a look at a couple of things. One of the biggest growth in expenditures under Bill Walker has been health care. Now, I support health care. I hope you support health care. Uh, but when a third of the state is on expanded Medicaid, we got a problem. I mean, we, we, we're Alaskans who moved here to be self-sufficient, not necessarily depending on government for every everything and if the answer to that is to get more jobs let's get more jobs and that's going to end up cutting our costs of, of medicaid is one example the other the other sure situation we've got to do is we've got three major funders in the state you've got the state of alaska itself as a funder with medicare and medicaid you've got uh, the veterans programs you've got the tribal health programs 
we've got to be cooperating to help reduce the overall cost to all of us rather than, you know, looking for additive costs uh, to us. And I'm not blaming anybody for additive costs, but we've seen the costs add up. On other issues with the with the budget, uh, I will tell you, it is a natural thing in the bureaucracy, and it's actually supported by the work rules that have been negotiated over the years with the with the public employee unions. People don't get as high a salary if they're not supervising more people. Uh, you know, where I come from, if you do more work or take on more responsibility, and it's not always just the number of people you supervise, that's where you get a raise, all right? We've got to change some of the work rules, and we have to have a mindset that says, whatever we do to cut budgets, let's try not to pull services from the field. You know, I remember as Lieutenant Governor visiting with some people who, uh, uh, you know, the Office of Children's Services uh, was only getting out to the Aleutians, you know, a couple of times a year. Uh, and and that's children's lives who are in, in, in you know, in danger there. You've got a situation with the troopers where where oh, we pull back troopers. We, uh, we need uh, village public safety officers who are well-trained and up to police standards in the villages. There's, there's things we have to do in the field to help people. We just have to make sure that as we help people, we don't create more helplessness. And so... That's very, what I think about, like, Wally Hickel working for him. If you recall, or it could have been just Dr. Mala, was anybody who walked in the state doors, they were to be treated like the governor. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. and, and, I, and I was the face of health and social services, so when you came in, you felt like your government was helping you. Right. But, you, but even at $11 oil, we got by with less. But I also felt inspired to just, I loved my job, I loved Alaskans, this was this was my home, and I was going to live here forever. And then you see how our state has kind of got out of control, lost its way, and Wally Hicka was all about big projects. He was a big dreamer, and that's why me and him just got along. <laughs> well, I, I, got, I got along with him too. I had an association <laughs> with him for 30 years. You know, I started out with him the first day I met him. He says, I can't afford to pay you, but you can work here anyway. And uh, <laughs> uh, the last uh, substantial visit I had with him in 2010, just before he died, I, uh, we were actually dissolving a business partnership between us quite amicably. And I said, I'm glad you let me work here and I'm paying you now anyway. But uh, the, the point the point that I, uh, that I want to make is that Wally taught me to be a convener bring people together. you got to bring people together and we have to make sure that we solve our fights at home rather than turning to Washington to solve our fights because that doesn't ever end up very well, does it? Uh, and a second thing we need to do is we need to think big again. And when I say think big... We don't build anything anymore. Uh, you know, Alaskans aren't quitters, we're builders and I'm not going to quit. Well, thank you, Mead. Thanks for hanging out with us and telling us about your vision for Alaska and look forward to seeing what else you're up to. Well, thank you. And I, I, I'll just say that uh, as people make up their mind in this campaign, this is what they need to remember. We have three Republicans on the ballot. We actually have more than that, but we've got three contenders on the ballot. We have Mark Begich, who has shown uh, that it's government by foreign people. It drives me nuts to you know see that he was supporting Shell, but the Obama administration just kept adding more roadblocks and more roadblocks and more roadblocks. That could have been a huge legacy for Senator Begich. We have Bill Walker, who frankly made a couple of fundamental political mistakes that made him the least electable governor in America. And we have uh, good Republicans running, but I'd say pick the one who's got the experience, pick the one who's been in the battles. Pick the one who's helped win the battles. 
Pick the one who lives by Reagan's philosophy, which is you can get anything done if you don't care who gets the credit. And let's go out and make this Alaska we all love a productive Alaska again. Let's uh, help our kids. Let's help uh, eliminate crime. Uh, let's help uh, restore mental sanity. And let's fill that pipeline. And thank you very much for keeping the push that that full pipeline as long as I've known you. Well, it's been a, not a priority. But thank you, Nate. Thank you. Alaska is at a crossroads, and Alaska needs leadership. This campaign season has become about the permanent fund dividend, your PFD, when Alaska's priority should be about filling up my Trans-Alaska pipeline. There is no PFD without oil or increased oil production. Meade has expressed his priority of filling up the Trans-Alaska pipeline. TAPS is Alaska's lifeblood, and filling up TAPS should be mission critical with all hands on deck. With increased oil production, Alaska's future is bright. I want to thank Meade for visiting with us about his vision for Alaska, and I wish him all the best in his campaign. Remember, it's Alaska, where you go big or go home. Alaska all the way, baby. Talk soon. <laughs>